Check this out, y'all. Audio level full volume. It's go time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 106.1 ESPN. Hour number two here live from the ACC tip-off in Charlotte, North Carolina. College basketball taking center stage on the show today. And uh, those of you looking for Bob, he will be on uh, from 5 until 6. As we do two hours down here in Charlotte and uh, had a lot of fun. Uh, Got a lot of great interviews, a lot of great information. You know, today was officially the day I was ready for college basketball. Uh, I haven't, as I've said, I still got a lot of research to do. Got to get... Get to know all the teams, uh, get to know uh, the A-10, the Sun Belt, all that good stuff. But today was the day that, like, I've got the college basketball juices flowing. Uh, Two Mondays, you will have some college basketball. So that'll be fun. It's always that weird time where your college football team is either really good and you're not really paying attention to college basketball or your college football team is bad and you're ready for college basketball or both teams are bad and you're ready for baseball, college baseball, college lacrosse, college field hockey. Whatever it is. Uh, so, yeah, we, we got a lot of good stuff coming up. Coming up this hour, uh, we're going to do the coaches. Uh, next segment, Coach Laranega. He stopped by. We'll talk to him. Uh, get some thoughts from uh, the Miami head coach. How much does he still keep in touch with uh, George Mason? Uh, all that good stuff. Uh, and then at 3.30, we're going to do both Jim, La- uh, uh, excuse me, Tony Bennett and Mike Young back-to-back. Uh, so you'll hear from both of those coaches. And then around 340, uh, 4.45, you will hear from Adrian Autry, the head coach of the Syracuse Orange. So last hour was our player hour. Uh, this hour will be our coaches hour as we get you set for all of that good stuff. And then Bob, during his show, will play my Armando Baycott interview. Only five and a half minutes. Uh, for those who are not familiar, I always like to explain what happened uh, or what today is like. First off, every interview that you'll hear has already been done. Uh, basically what happens is the fine folks of the ACC, they take all your requests. You tell them, look, I want to talk to this, 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 and this. They go into their giant matrix. They figure it all out, and they give you about uh, five to eight minutes with everybody. Depends on if they're late, if they, you know, whatever. Um, you get about six to eight minutes with every single person that you put down as much as possible, and then um, that's it. Uh, if you're shorter, it's because the person before you uh, takes too long. Uh, and if, the, if something happens, you get more time. So that's why some of these interviews have seemed a little short. Uh, I got pretty much everybody I asked for. Everybody I asked for, uh, they gave us. And, and, you know, it's because I try and follow the rules. If they say I have seven, eight minutes and I have one more question left, I do my one more question. Uh, and so uh, I got 13 interviews or so today. Um what we'll do is we'll put the rest of them up on the website, ESPNRichmond.com, and you'll be able to check it out. I talked to a kid from Notre Dame. I talked to Jim Laranega, Reese Beekman, Ryan Dunn, Tony Bennett, Judah Mintz, Adrian Autry, Jeremy Roach, Ish Leggett. Uh, I was ready. I was so excited to, to air the Ish uh, interview because I wanted him to talk more as a Rhode Island guy, what it was like to play at the Siegel Center, what it was like to play at the Robin Center. He gave his answer. It just wasn't enough. I needed more. And there's not a lot of pit fans in the uh, in the uh, in the area. So uh, Mike Young, Armando Baycott, of course, Sean Padula, and um, those were the people that we talked to uh, here in ACC 
uh, tip-off. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number, that is the text line. 804 is the area code. Jim Phillips spoke earlier today. Um, I mean, he did everything he was supposed to in terms of being positive about what's going on with uh, Clemson and, or, excuse me, SMU and Stanford and everything. And it's just like, oh, okay, cool. And, um, you know, he look, I, not that I expect him to be any different. Not that I expected him to be like, oh, yeah, it's a terrible decision. We shouldn't have done it, blah, blah, blah. But he came out there and just, you know, said we're, we're taking care of things. Talked about um, the a basketball tournament with 18 teams. He said we're still probably not going to have everybody there. And I agree. I think that there, there's a great nature to the conference tournament that you can essentially restart your season over again, and that's fantastic. But I also think I don't like the fact that you basically um, – I don't also like the fact that some of the bad teams get a chance to reset their system. Like, if you weren't good enough during the regular season, you shouldn't necessarily qualify for the conference tournament. So I like that. Uh, he said the schedule has been a mess to try and figure out. Um, he says that current members will make one West Coast trip every two years. So, like, Duke and North Carolina will head out to Cal and Stanford, play one, and then play the other. Um and then the Cal and Stanford is going to make four separate, uh, four or five East Coast trips. So they're going to put them throughout the schedule, which you should have thought about that. Um, and, you know, that was some of the other stuff that he talked about. He talked about that they're going to move the women's tournament out of uh, Greensboro. I-, I don't think that's as much of a – I don't think they should be doing that. Um, I think that the women's tournament should be in an area where they know they're going to get steady attendance. And I don't know where else – they'll get steady attendance unless they say, all right, well, Virginia Tech, you're the one seed. You get to be home or whatever. Maybe that would help. I don't know. Um, But that's some of the stuff that Jim Phillips uh, talked about earlier today. Um, You know, he he always does a good job, a state of of the ACC address. Uh, The other thing we kind of been talking about, and as I said last hour, and if you're new, let me just phrase this how I phrased it then. I am on the Internet a lot. I am on Twitter a lot. So when I see buzzwords, VCU, engaged, I go and I and I put the tweet down. I bookmark it. And I say, all right, got to bring this up on the show. I know a lot of the listeners do not follow the Internet as much as I do, so I have a job to tell you about it. Now, while I tell you this, I don't say necessarily if I'm believing it or not. But if I didn't tell you, I'd be foolish because I know VCU fans, they crave information, and most of them probably know about this tweet anyway. But for those who don't, so there was a tweet from Hitman, Hitman Hoops Media, uh, a Memphis basketball analyst for Bluff City Media. He's got about 1,700 followers. Six of my followers follow him, which is not necessarily a great sign. Uh, Bluff City Media is a Memphis premier sports media site followed by three people I know. Molly Morrison, who's the number one Memphis Grizzlies fan on Twitter. Uh, Gary Parrish, who is the number one Memphis person on Twitter. And then somebody else that um, I follow on Twitter. Um, so they have about 25, 2,600 followers. So it's one of the things I like to do when I see tweets like this is how many of my followers follow them and how many followers do they have in general. That's not to discount that they couldn't have a scoop or anything like that. So I'm not going to discount it. I'm merely giving you the information, and you can process it how you'd like. The tweet from 1216 this morning, this afternoon, sources, the AAC is engaged in serious talks with VCU to join as a basketball-only member. Multiple sources tell me, Hitmen Hoops Media and Bluff City Media, these discussions have been ongoing for a few weeks, but talks are ramping up in the wake of Army's addition to the AAC as a football-only member. So, giving you the information, that's what's out there. My take on it, I think it would be a terrible idea. 
I think it would be a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. I think the AAC is at best on par with the A-10, at worst a downgrade. Um, when there's another round of realignment, it will be the Tulsas, the Tulanes, the UABs, the North Texases. Those will be the schools that move. So now you've got an AAC that already has a lot of garbage in it, losing more, and then VCU's stuck there, and they have to make all these trips. And to me, um, I just I wouldn't do it. So this is the story that's out there. I trust VCU's leadership. I would wait for the Big East. If the Big East doesn't come, go right to the A-10. But um, I, it's my job as a news person to tell you that's what's out there. The other news, real quick, Nikki Javala of the Washington Post says that there's been an offer made uh, for Montez Sweat. There has been no offers made for, for uh, Chase Young. Trade deadlines next week. I would trade at least one person on that defensive line. It makes no sense to have a great defensive line when the rest of your defense is pretty bad. So we'll see what happens. Washington getting ready for the Eagles this weekend. Um I imagine if they lose, they'll be more interested in training players. And they should be because this season is a wash because the ownership group doesn't want to make any changes. They want to live off the positivity of seeing Daniel Snyder go. And you already know how I feel about that. Uh, all right. We got a lot of uh, good information for you for this hour. Coming up, we'll take a break. Uh, Coach Laranega, my interview with him. How's he doing at Miami? And how much is the Miami basketball team taking overtaking the football team? We'll talk to him next. 1061 ESPN. Second straight playoff appearance out of the CAA. Follow them on their quest every step of the way. Here on your home for the Richmond Spiders, 1061 ESPN. Joining us now live from ACC tip-off, the head coach of Miami, Coach Jim Laranega. Coach, how's it going? Uh, very, very well, thank you. Uh, yes, I was going to say, I mean, you must be having so much fun coaching nowadays. I am, <laughs> but I've always enjoyed coaching. Uh, what I really enjoy now is winning. Uh, the coaching practice has always been great, but now that we're winning more and getting to the NCAA tournament and making some noise in the tournament, getting to the Elite Eight, getting to the Final Four, yeah, that's a lot of fun. How did you address with your kids about all the extra attention you guys were your program was going to get starting this season? Yeah, we've talked about it sporadically throughout, and um, the good thing is we've we got a great group of kids, and these guys are going to work really hard, try to become as good as we can be, and they know last year's behind us, and we got to start again. It starts all over, and uh, we open up uh, with an exhibition game on Sunday, and then our first regular season game is November 6th. Is it nice in a way that you have such a veteran group and that you have kids that have been through everything? I mean, I, I feel like if you had a younger team, it would be hard for them to you know, kind of forget about last year. Well, um, I, I think every season – no matter what you did the previous year, you got a new team, new players, and they have to all uh, learn to develop as a team. And you're going to only always have five starters, and you're going to have a bench of certain six, seven, eight, nine, ten players, and uh, you've got to develop the chemistry. So whatever it was the year before, even if you have everybody back, things still change. Have you ever had – I was looking at a lot of your projected starting lineups. Have you ever had five juniors as your starting lineup before? Is that what projected right now? That's what I saw on a couple of websites, yeah. Yeah, the difference is, is how people look at it. I, uh, North Shadow Mir and Nigel Pack are seniors. I, they've or, already been in school for three, three years. They do have another year of eligibility, so if they wanted to return, then you, then you could classify them as juniors. 
I, I just look at it as we've got 11 scholarship players who we've got to um, mold into a really fine ACC team. Is it especially satisfying you were able to lure a Florida State player to Miami? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm very happy that Matthew Cleveland decided to join us. But we, we looked at, at uh, transfers from everywhere, some of them from, from our own league. What's interesting to me is how many transfers uh, in the ACC came from other ACC schools. So um, that might be uh, the norm now because those players are familiar with the programs because they played against them. How do you kind of sift through all that? Because obviously with all the extra attention, you will get more people who want to transfer to your program. How do you sift through all of them and find the right ones? Yeah, the whole key to that is I have a great coaching staff. I have great assistant coaches who do a wonderful job of you know, finding transfers that fit our program. Uh, maybe they, they were players we were interested in when they came out of high school, like Matt Cleveland. Matthew Cleveland was a high school player out of Atlanta that we recruited. Never even got him for a visit. But now, after playing against us, when we talked to him, he said, oh, I really like your style. I think I fit in well. Um, you, I was reading about how season ticket sales have gone up. What does it mean to you from where you came from when you first got there to what this program is right now, that there's so much interest in your basketball team? Yeah, that was the whole key. Uh, when I first took the job, uh, my friend said to me, why are you taking to Miami? It's a football school. You, you know, there's three things you'll never be able to do. I said, really, what's that? They said, you'll never be able to beat Duke or Carolina. You'll never be able to win the ACC. And you'll never draw good crowds. It's not a, a basketball town. So now, well, we've had, you know, some, some success against Duke and Carolina. We've won the ACC regular season twice and the tournament once. And now we're drawing great crowds. I, I'm expecting that we'll be sold out. Uh, we were allowed, like, uh, I think there's 4,000 season tickets available. And we're right at, like, 38, 3,900. So, and then students have been tremendously interested in the basketball program. And the community has been very supportive. So we're going to have some a lot of sellout crowds this season. Uh, your thoughts on your non-conference schedule. Is it something the way you would like it to be? Yes, it is. It's exactly the way I'd like it to be. We have some very, very tough opponents. Uh, we're at Kentucky, which um, I was very, very curious. Uh, I thought it earned us a lot of respect in the inaugural ACC-SEC Challenge. Rather than sending one of the Blue Bloods to Kentucky, Miami was chosen to go there. Um, and so we're, at, we're playing Colorado in New York. We're in the Bahamas uh, playing against uh, Georgia and either Providence or Kansas State. So we've got a good schedule. And our, our second home game against Central Florida is a team that we have battled and had great games with. So happy with our non-conference schedule. How much do you still pay attention what's going on at George Mason? Well, of course, I'm excited for Tony Skin. One of my former players is now the head coach. Uh, he was instrumental in helping our George Mason team make it to the Final Four. And now he gets to coach his alma mater. And I'm going to be cheering for him long distance. We remain good friends. He actually worked for one of my other assistant coaches who coached Tony at George Mason, um, Eric Conkle. And, and uh, Tony worked for him at Louisiana Tech. And then uh, he worked for um, Kevin Willard, whose dad is a very close friend of mine. So 
You know, Tony's positioned himself beautifully to have a successful head coaching career. Well, Coach, good luck this season. Thanks so much. Well, thank you. Well, and thank you, Coach L. We'll continue with our coaching hour. Mike Young and Tony Bennett together next segment. Well, separate interviews, but together. And then also Adrian Autry, and that'll take you up to 5 o'clock. And uh, we're here live. ACC tip-off, Charlotte, North Carolina, ESPN, 106.1 ESPN. Is tough. Make your day a little brighter with full-length podcast of all our shows and interviews. Available at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back. 106.1 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here in Charlotte. ACC tip-off. And joining us now, the coach of the Hokies, Mike Young. Coach, how's it going? Man, I'm great. Uh, good to be on with you. Hope you're well. Uh, doing well, Coach. Um, fifth season at the school. Do you feel like you've properly installed your culture and your system and everything now that they're all your kids? I do. Um, but, man, you know, in this business, and this, this is not new, in this business you're always fighting for those things, those things that uh, are important to you. Um as a uh, basketball coach, as a uh, as a program, uh, I am uh, pleased with uh, those that we continue to attract to Blacksburg. Uh, feel good about our team. I'm enjoying working with them. Um, about time to throw it in the air and get started. Uh, obviously, last year didn't end the way you wanted no. it to. How much? How did you address that with this year's team to kind of put it in the past? Well, I mean, we had uh, we had good quality work uh, this summer man what what makes this hard and 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 it's not uh, isolated to uh, us at virginia tech we're all living through it um with the uh, portal as it is and it's not going anywhere uh you are typically bringing five like we are this year six seven maybe eight new kids into your program and um that learning curve is quite steep um the work that you put in in the summer uh, and, uh, and, and getting, you know, everything in place is, um, is, is quite difficult. Um, you know, I'm talking to coaches here today, it, it's going to take some time. You know, it's not going to be, uh, a, you know, a beautiful thing when we, uh, when we start up. Uh, but uh, all of us will continue to get better and better and better. But um, some of the uh, challenges that, uh, that that all of us are presented with. You brought in Makai, Tyler, and Robbie. Yeah. A lot of experience there yeah. from a bunch of different places. How did you kind of pick them out of a list of probably a lot of people who wanted to transfer to your program? Well, you're scouring that list, and it's, um, it's a lot. Um, and um, you're making contact with uh, those kids, and, you know, it's every day. It's, it's multiple times uh, a day. Getting out and seeing them, gauging interest, uh, getting a feel for where they are. Uh, there's a lot of competition uh, for uh, for those kids because, you know, uh, the success rate of older, bigger, stronger people that have been coached is uh, is is quite stringent. Um, so, you know, we made contact with uh, each of them, got them to campus. Uh, fortunate uh, for us that it worked out. Obviously, I, I got to bring it up because it was news that came out yesterday about Rodney. Um, what does it mean to lose someone like that so close to the season? It's uh, it's challenging, but um, again, the transfer portal that is is there, and um, I think he felt like a change of scenery would uh, would benefit him, 
and I uh, I support him completely. Uh, talk about the non-conference slate this year. Some interesting matchups that you guys have before the season begins. Yeah, I think it. I think it's it, it's a good non-conference schedule. Um, you know, it's South Carolina down here in a facility that I uh, love a great deal. Have had a lot of success in the Spectrum Center. It's been called a couple of different things, as you know. And then to Orlando, Florida for, um, you know, the uh, it was the old Old Spice Tournament at one time. I'm not sure what it's called now. With Boise State, VCU, um, Iowa State, uh, that's a really good uh, tournament. Uh, we'll have a better idea where, where where we are. They are knowing full well that um, we have other mountains to climb and uh, and progress to make as a uh, as a program uh, with this year's team. What's your philosophy regarding playing the other in-state schools? You know, I'm sure JMU may be approached you or VCU or Richmond or whatever. Do you have a philosophy regarding no, that? No, I really don't. Uh, if uh, something makes sense and um, what you know, another thing people may not understand, there are a lot of things that go into um, scheduling. There are, I mean, it, it, it's, it is a jigsaw puzzle. And uh, you're trying to get X number of quad ones because of the net and the significance of the net as you head down the stretch toward the NCAA tournament and uh, putting your team in the best possible light. Now, we've got the luxury of the ACC with 20 league games but um uh it's it's hard it's hard to run the risk of going on the road to play an in-state team um you know if they're uh, if they're quad three uh quad quad four those uh, those those losses are painful um i think uh the formula it's not a formula our philosophy on how we've scheduled in uh, in in non-league play in our five years there, I, I wouldn't trade it. I think we're on the right. Uh, I think we're on the right course. We're preparing our team for league play, and that's what it's most uh, about. What's the uh, synergy like between your program and the women's basketball program that had a tremendous amount of success last year? Great respect and admiration between the two groups. I just told somebody a minute ago. People see, um, witness uh, Elizabeth Kitley. Georgia Moore, uh, Kayla King, and others, uh, what talented people they are. Uh, I don't think as many people are as aware of just how fine they are. Uh, they are they're great people. Um, they're great Hokies. Uh, and I, I enjoy and appreciate the interaction that, you know, our program has with, uh, with, with them. It's, it's Virginia Tech basketball. It's not Virginia Tech women's basketball, but Virginia, it is Virginia Tech basketball, and I uh, applaud them, and uh, I'm happy for their successes. Last question for you. As you mentioned, fifth season at the school. Can you just talk about the improvement made in Castle and how much of a great home court advantage you guys have now? It's amazing. It's, it's utterly amazing. Um, the passion, the energy, uh, the loyalty. Um, our student section is, is I mean, they're wonderful. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, unless they're away on Thanksgiving break, they're they're in there every day. I mean, they're in there night in, night out. Uh, they are uh, they're loud. Um, I've had a number of coaches in my time at Virginia Tech stop me and tell me, uh, "Your place is the hardest place for us to play." It, it your fan base makes it really difficult, and um, 
I, uh, I can certainly understand why they would say that. Well, Coach, good luck this coming season. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Have a good day. That was my conversation with uh, Coach Mike Young of Virginia Tech. And, you know, we're an equal opportunity show here. You talk to a Virginia Tech coach, you talk to a UVA coach. So let's go from that on to our conversation with Coach Tony Bennett. Joining us now from ACC Tip-Off, the head coach of the Cavaliers, Tony Bennett. Coach, how's it going? It's going well. I'm ready. I got my answers all set because this is uh, – about my 15th interview, so I know exactly what I'm going to say, so I'll be on point for you. So 15th interview equaling <laughs> the 15 years Kihei was at the school, seemingly. <laughs> Perfect, yes. Um, what's, it, what's it like without having your point guard on and off the court? Well, one good thing is Reese Beekman's back. So Reese and Kihei shared, you know, they were both kind of two, two point guards I've had. But loved Kihei to get to spend five years. You don't usually get that experience and all the, the great things – excuse me, that we had been through and, and, you know, just seeing him mature and grow and um, just his familiarity. He had a great way about him. So I miss that, but uh, grateful for the time. And as I said, because Reese is coming back with that experience because we otherwise probably aren't near as experienced as we've been, that's really important for, you know, the success of our program. So I'm a big mid-major guy. So when I saw you got Andrew Rohde, yeah. I was like, that guy's a stud. For the people who haven't watched a lot of St. Thomas games, uh, what can they expect from him? Yeah, uh, you know, he's just, he's really a, you know, very good passer. His mind and feel for the game, you'll notice that right away. He's a bigger guard, about six, I think he's six six, And, um, you know, he's just was sort of a, a guy that came onto the scene, not so highly recruited and um, really a good player, knows how to play, and will be an important piece. And, you know, with us losing so many people, we said let's find a guy that we'll, we'll go with a, maybe a fifth-year guy if we have to, but, boy, if we could find an experienced player that fits us, that has multiple years, that's the best of all scenarios. So my Wisconsin ties, you know, knowing people there and just really getting a good feel for tell me about Andrew as a player and then watching film and, um, you know, his coaches I have great respect for was very helpful. And so that was a, you know, a very good uh, off-season acquisition for our program. Um, we've talked about how in the past people, even seniors and juniors, are learning the pack line defense uh, as they go along. You have a lot of new kids and you have some younger kids. How is the pack line adjustment coming along with them? Yeah, you know, it's, I, I think maybe people make a, a little more about the pack line. I think any program or anybody who tries to value defense it's hard and it takes the longer you're in it the better you are so um there have been some practices where i'm like i like this because i think we have a touch more athleticism in some spots so that helps but there's times where you just see the habits aren't there that will be important so you know we just keep hammering away at that and trying to get as good as we can and, and you know have some patience i said it sounds like they can't coexist but they can be patient and encouraging but very stubborn you know and i think that's probably the mix that you have to have uh the four seems to be important a lot in the pack line how is ryan taking to learning the aspects of it uh with regards to that yeah i mean it's it's defensively ryan last year he you know he played about 11 minutes a game and and that was really important he played because he brought incredible energy and athleticism and the ability to want to defend and he did it well and so He's he's got to be. I told him. I said you got to be elite and a monster for us on that end of the floor. Whether it's the three, the four, any of those spots, and you know we've got to rely on those guys. Even though they don't have a ton of experience, that's going to be important. And so his athleticism and his ability to have him been in those spots, we're going to rely on that that experience. And I think you know that's kind of what got him on the floor last year. He was going to come in and probably redshirt, and I said. 
take that and, and grow it and then continue to just uh, you know evolve in all areas of your game. But we're going to need, for us to be good, that's good. that is a huge spot because they're almost like the the fours, the forwards, the bigs. They they're kind of the air traffic control guys, and they gotta they gotta be alert, active, and and being really good in that area. In a way, does it help you that you have so many new kids that weren't a part of last year's loss to Furman? Is it a way to help like clean what happened last year and start fresh? Yeah, I mean it was such a good year. I mean to win the regular season and then to get to the championship game. And, he, you know, and then we lose Ben Vanderplas, who was such a pivotal or a key guy for us. And then to lose in the heartbreaking manner in which we did was hard. Uh, and, again, yeah, most of those guys who are on the team this year weren't part of that. But, you know, it, it's you got to earn your way to get there. And I think the guys that were there will, will certainly try to use it for motivation. But we have so, so much uh, newness that we're just trying to establish, you know, who we are, how we're going to, you know, be as good as we can to get a chance at that again like really that's the thing so it's not like hey you know it's it's payback time the tournament doesn't work like that you got to just you know progress and be good and then incrementally get better and then hopefully you earn that right and then um you know it all depends on how healthy and matchups and and you go forth but uh, we'd love that opportunity again with this team. Uh, one of the many things we loved about you is whenever you talk about the non-conference slate, you're always important trying to get the, the state schools involved. You just finished up your contract with JMU. feels like this is the first year you're, you're not playing anybody from the state uh, out of conference. You know what? I guess I didn't even realize that. So, you know, your schedules are out so many years in advance that uh, you're right. No, we've always tried to play a ton of in-state schools. There's so many good in-state schools and coaches in in our state so that's something you know whether we miss a year or two we've always tried to be mindful of that and just because it's good though i don't know if i enjoyed going to jmu a couple of years ago but um but that was certainly good for for us for the game for them and um yeah we have so i'm sure we'll have to talk about that from the next slate of scheduling yeah we're just going to remind you vcu's always looking for good opponents to play sure. and, you know you guys that was such a great series you guys oh, had it was. yeah we had those um and we've scrimmaged them, too, before, so we've had a lot of that. And, yeah, there's, there's a number of them for sure. Well, Coach, good luck this season. Thanks so much. Thank you. There it is, the two head coaches of the state schools, Coach Mike Young and Coach Tony Bennett. If you ever miss an interview, go to our website, ESPNRichmond.com. Of course, there are interviews that I've done here that didn't make the show. You can check it out on our website, ESPNRichmond.com, as we are here uh, for ACC tip-off. Virginia starts their season on Monday, November 6th at home against Tarleton State. Then they play Florida down here in Charlotte, Friday, November 10th, uh, before a couple of quote-unquote easier games, North Carolina A&T and Texas Southern. And then they head to Fort Myers to play what I feel like should be a banned game in the list of college basketball, Wisconsin and Virginia. That should never happen. Those two teams play usually like 54-37 games, and that's just its a little offensive to the, uh, to the college basketball fan. But that's what's coming uh, Monday, November 20th uh, in down in uh, Fort Myers. Uh, 3270-888, that is the phone number, that is the text line. Uh, let's take a timeout. Coming up, I had a chance to catch up with a fourth coach here in Charlotte. It is the head coach of the Syracuse Orange, Adrian Autry. We'll close out the hour with him. You're listening to 1061 ESPN. First step of another college basketball season. Every Spiders men's basketball broadcast can be heard here on your home for the Richmond Spiders. 1061 ESPN.
Live here at ACC Tip-Off, joining us now, the new head coach of Syracuse, uh, Coach Adrian Autry. Coach, how's it going? It's going good. How you doing? Doing well. Uh, obviously, this is your first media day. How do you like interacting with us in the media? You know, it's, 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 it's fun. Um, you get a chance to, uh, you know, get out and mingle and see other people and uh, obviously get asked the questions. And sometimes, you know, I always look at th these things as, as something that can you can learn from. Somebody may ask a question that may help you move on the next day you know uh so i was talking to judah and the thing he seemed to be the most excited about was the transition to a man-to-man -man defense um what has it been like to have these kids that played two three last year be able to play the man-to-man -man? obviously i think a lot of you know a lot of build up uh, a lot of technique um a lot of uh explaining your philosophy and and things like that which you know as we started doing this i thought it would be more technique and on the court stuff but it's really more visualization and trying to get them to understand the concepts and the philosophy of it then that carries over into the technique so um something something that i've learned how has that gone so far have the kids picked it up uh, i think they, they've they've made strides for sure you know um like anything during during this time sometimes you got good days and bad days but i think they are understanding um the concepts and what we want to do and how we want to do it um, one of the things I was excited to hear that you want to do is, is run it a little bit more because it felt like at times that they didn't take advantage of the fast break. Um, how is that going in terms of telling your kids, like, when you've got an opportunity, push it? Yeah, I think, they, I mean, they obviously, you know, you say that, and then when we get to practice and we got to work on that, oh, coach, I'm a little tired. You know? But, you know, playing fast is a commitment. So, you know, again, we spend, you know, anywhere from 20, 25 minutes a day uh, playing in transition, uh, pushing the ball up. So they like it. Um, I think we got a good group uh, that, that can excel in it. You know, but we got to get the stops and we got to get the rebounds before we start doing that. What did it mean that Judah decided to come back when he could have gone pro? He could have transferred anywhere in this offseason. Uh, it meant a lot. You know, again, um, uh, it was exciting for me to have him come back. And I think it, it really was exciting just for the fact that the way it played out, like he made the decision. And, uh, you know, and I was, you know, obviously elated. And, you know, he brings us, he gives a different dynamic to our team. Um, he, he, he gives us a chance to be really, really, really good um, as everyone else kind of he brings everyone else's game up. So I'm excited. I'm excited to have him. What is it? And obviously you're early in your co head coaching career, but the, the transfer portal, what is your philosophy with regards to that? Because you filled several needs by going that route. I think when you go to the transfer portal and how we use it, you know, you got to obviously do your homework uh, as far as who you're bringing into your program and, and what program they're coming from uh, and what you're trying to do and what, what needs you have and what roles that you're trying to fulfill. And I think, you know, you take those all into account. No different than recruiting. You know, no different than recruiting high school guys. I think with the transfer portal, though, the, uh, the expectations are, you know, you want, you, you, you're kind of looking for immediate results as opposed to, you know, a high school guy. You, you just don't know what you're going to get. I don't care what their ranking is. Sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get. You know, you're going to get some contribution, how big or how little, you don't know. But when you go to the portal, I think you're expecting to get a, a, a return immediately. What does it say about your program that you're able to pull from another ACC school who clearly you guys have gone up against uh, and pretty nice center to bring in as well? I mean, I don't think it says anything about the, uh, the schools. I just think, you know, it's just recruiting, you know. Unfortunately, uh, you know, I think uh, the one thing that it says about our league, though, the familiarity with it is that, you know, that they want to stay in this league because they know this is a high-level league. Maybe that opportunity on that team wasn't there for them, and they see another opportunity somewhere else. Um, I think it really speaks more to just, you know, people wanting to stay in, 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 in league. 
you've got the exhibition games coming up, and obviously we talk about how important they are for the kids. How important is it for you to get the feel for timeouts and, and game flow and things like that? Yeah, yeah, it's important. You know, the, the one thing that the unique thing about this, this season for, uh, for me um, and with my team is that I think we're all going to grow together. You know, that's just the reality. Um, you know, it's, gonna, it's things that I think I know, but, again, those things will change as, as, as it goes. Um, but being able to grow with this team, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. What's the number one piece of advice Coach Beheim gave you as, he, as, as you make the transition? Uh, do what you think is best and don't worry about nothing else. Do what you think is best. Um, talk about the reasonable goals that you will have for this season. Obviously, you want to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, you've got the kids that can make the NCAA tournament. How do you set the most reasonable goals for the season ahead? I think we just we just do it game by game. You know, uh, you know that's the one thing I learned from coaches. You never look ahead. Uh, you go game by game, and then you get to the next play, next game. And I think if we can, you know, be consistent in our effort and, and our cohesiveness on both sides of the ball, I think we'll give ourselves a chance to, 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 win, to win some games. Obviously, your non-conference slate, you didn't get a chance to set it because you weren't the head coach. <laughs> but it, is it something that you kind of like? Is there a tweak or two you might make down the line? I probably would have made a couple of tweaks with this year's schedule. Uh, it's very challenging right from the beginning. I don't. I think we 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 step right into, you know, pretty much everyone on our on our schedule. Even you know, the, um, uh, the teams that uh, we start off early with, they've NCAA tournament teams or lost in their conference championship. You know, or wanted to finish the regular season in the top two or three. So all good teams. Um, so uh, you know, again, you got to challenge yourself. But uh, we, we have a tough schedule. But I, I like challenging ourselves, especially when you got the right right mix of guys. I'll just say this, Coach. Please beat Colgate this year. Like, please. <laughs> I mean, I don't want them shooting 18 threes again this year on us or whatever it was. We're, we're going to try our best, man. We're going to try our best to eliminate that. But, uh, you know, very good team, well coach team. They've been to the tournament the last two or three years. So I think, uh, you know, you know, it's, it's, it'll definitely be – we're excited, we're up for it, but it'll definitely be a challenge. Last question for you. Obviously, Coach B at times would play fewer players, more minutes. How exciting is it potentially to play more kids, uh, less minutes, but get more people involved? I think it's exciting. I think it's exciting for, for, for the team. I think they all feel like they're a part of something. Um, you know, again, that's the idea and that's what we want to do, but they have to – be good at it and they have to contribute in a positive way and uh, so that's how we go about moving forward but I think it's a great great way to play you know uh, you know you got 13 scholarships if you can play you know nine guys consistently I think it's great you know you know you could never play 13 you know that's just not realistic but if you can get to eight nine guys consistently I think it's healthy for the team and it's healthy for your program thank you so much coach good luck thank you appreciate it uh, that was my interview with uh, Coach Autry. Of course, you knew I had to catch up with the head coach of uh, the Syracuse Orange, and I kept the, the other stuff off the air. I had to tell him, look, can't lose the Colgate. We got to win. We got to make the NCAA tournament. But he's a good guy. Big shoes to fill. But I, uh, I'm really excited to see what Syracuse is doing. And kind of the thing that you kind of get the sense of here is it's a conference that a lot of people think uh, there could be a sleeper that comes out of the middle. I mean, there's a clear dichotomy here. North Carolina, Miami, and Duke, and Virginia are probably in your top tier. Uh, then you've got a whole bunch of teams that are fighting for, for the second tier. And then, you know, there's some bad teams in this conference. And they're just trying to kind of get some scraps and kind of get some victories. Um, but as always, and I always say this, and some people do it and some people don't do it. When we do the non-conference thing. I'm big into 8-10 teams rooting for 8-10 teams, ACC teams rooting for ACC teams. 
you want your conference as good as possibly be. Now, it's a little different for the ACC. I'm always the cheerleader for the A-10 because I want VCU. I want Richmond to get the benefit of uh, solid wins in conference. The ACC, you don't necessarily need that. You just need nobody to um, kind of go in the tank. You don't want anybody to go and become like a, a, an albatross in anybody's uh, resume. You want all the nets to be in the right proper areas and things like that. You know, Boston College, you'd like them to be pretty good and or at least good enough that a loss to them doesn't kill you uh, and things like that. Uh, 3270888, that is the phone number, that is the text line, 804 is the area code. So I'm looking at the first night of college basketball, Monday, November 6th, when uh, if you honestly ask me, about 80% of the games are – uh, FBS teams or Division One teams playing D2, D3, whatever teams. Like, it, you know, it, I, I wish we could kind of get rid of that. I know it's something Bob's talked about. Um, but I'm looking at the ACC slate for Monday, November 6th. Uh, Carolina's got Radford at 7 o'clock on the ACC network. Miami is hosting NJIT. Miami uh, preseason top 25 school. Uh, Clemson and Winthrop, NC State in the Citadel. Uh, Louisville, UMBC, Niagara and Notre Dame. North Carolina, A&T, Pittsburgh. Tarleton State, Virginia. New Hampshire and Syracuse. Georgia Tech and Georgia Southern. Coppin State and Virginia Tech. Elon and Wake Forest. Fairfield, Boston College. Dartmouth and Duke. Like, I'll just say this now. If the, if the ACC suffers any losses on this night, it would be a rough start for the conference. There's not a single game there that should be worrying anybody in the ACC. And then the next one for the conference is not until Wednesday, November 8th, when Syracuse hosts Canisius. But we're in it. Like, I'm not necessarily ready for all of it for the nationwide prep, but, like, we're in it. College basketball is coming. And, uh, obviously, we are your home uh, for the Richmond Spiders 106.1 ESPN. All right, let's take a timeout. Coming up, Bob's going to take over. Uh, he's got uh, he's got John Hart coming in, and uh, so they'll do a lot of Richmond Athletics talk. And, uh, of course, I'm sure Bob will give his reaction on the failed World Series attempt by our Philadelphia Phillies. You'll get that coming up. I will be back in Richmond tomorrow uh, from 3 until 4. We'll have um, a Richmond Spiders player. We move that interview from today to tomorrow. And we'll also have Tim Sullivan on. Hokies got a huge game against Syracuse. Uh, but but we got to talk some college football tomorrow as well. Thanks to Robert for all his hard work. Thanks to AJ for all his hard work. And uh, as I said, I'll be back tomorrow, 3 to 4, 106.1 ESPN.